Good morning, and welcome to church. We're glad you're here. There's a few announcements this week about our upcoming events. You can find more info in your bulletin or out in the main foyer. You may be wondering why we don't pass offering plates during the service. Here at BFCN, we believe giving is an act of worship, but that this is something personal between you and God. That's why we no longer pass a plate. We don't want you to give out of compulsion or guilt. There are offering plates in the back where you can leave your gift. They will be collected by the ushers after the service. Or you can give online at bfcn.org give or use the QR code in the bulletin. However you choose to give, we encourage you to take a moment to meditate on your gift as part of your worship this week. As the word said, God loves a cheerful giver. You'll have another opportunity if you want to go to the Team Day South. The theme will be Creating a Culture of Calling, presented by Mark Bain. The date is January 27th at Salem Grace from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Please register by January 22nd by going to tinyurl.com slash south or scanning the QR code on your screen. The cost is $10 per person. Lunch is included. You can also find the links to sign up in your emails from Pastor Nicole. The ladies will be meeting for breakfast and coffee Wednesday, January 17th at Clara B's Kitchen Table at 9 a.m. It's located inside Long Story Coffee, where Balance used to be, at 732 South Illinois Street in Belleville. There will be a farewell fellowship for Mike and Karen on Sunday, January 21st, during the Sunday school hour. No Sunday school that week. Instead, we'll have light breakfast items and coffee beginning at 930. Have you ever wondered if there's more, just more, to the kingdom of God? Have you ever wondered what your role is in the Great Commission? You can learn more about this and more by taking perspectives. You can attend the first night for free. The class starts Wednesday, January 24th at 6 p.m. at Faith Family Church in Shiloh. There's more dates, times, and locations available. For more information, check out their website at perspectives.org. If you have questions about the class or you just want to learn more, you can talk to Pastor Nicole or Nikki. We'll be happy to answer your questions. There are tons of opportunities to get plugged into the community here through giving, serving, and building relationships. For more information, connect with us on our website at bfcn.org events or follow us on Facebook. When I was first pregnant, it was very hard. It was like a big emotion rush that just hit me out of nowhere. I went to my significant other. I told him we both were blank faced. We really didn't know what to do, who to call, where to go. The fears that I had during my pregnancy or when I first found out I was pregnant, I have a lot of responsibilities already. Now I'm finding out that I'm pregnant. It's like, what am I to do? What can I do? I felt like independent living, I really wanted. I wanted really bad, but am I stable enough for that as of right now? When I first found out I was pregnant, the first person I shared the news with was my significant other. We needed somewhere to go to make a decision, to make a choice. When I first met Danae, she basically gave me a bunch of options and choices to choose from. She sent me home with so much great information to where I could literally think about it at home. 
really good information really good advice you know we have this choice if you want to keep the baby but you feel like you're not stable we have this choice to where your baby's gonna always be comfortable he's gonna always be good and that's the great thing that i like about it they give you a choice and option opportunity to think about everything grasp onto it this is really what i want i did consider abortion as an option during my pregnancy it's, it was just very hard to just choose a side like do i want you here or am i not ready for you so once i entered the atmosphere of mosaic it's kind of like wow you guys have literally opened my eyes to a lot of stuff and although like i'm not ready you guys put it in my head like no one's ever ready for this a mother especially a first-time mother you're not gonna be ready for it things happen you guys literally put it in my head in my thought process like god gave you this gift for a reason he gave you this gift not to take away but to gain first experience ultrasound was perfect spot on just getting to see my baby just on the ultrasound it was like wow you're not here yet you're not even developed you're just a peanut it was just i don't know it was just the emotion rush q morgan has changed my life in so many ways he literally brought me out of a stage of immature wanted to live a lifestyle that i have no business living i forgot about my christianity i forgot about everything Soon as he came in the picture, I came to Mosaic, I felt comfortable. Soon as Kimorian came in the picture, it was just like, you have like a child to raise, literally. This is your gift, he's here. There is nothing to look back on, trauma, past, let it go. It's not about you anymore. It's literally about Kimorian. I would refer Mosaic to every woman that doesn't know what to do. I hope everyone supports Mosaic Health. I don't know what I would have done without them. They gave me hope, they gave me information, and they gave me support.
to the handful of people who are here in the room with me and to those of you who are tuning in online. Uh, let's just get this out of the way. You know what they say, you can take the girl out of Arkansas, but you can't take Arkansas out of the girl. And uh, everybody's probably wondering, like, what's this crazy Arkansan doing canceling church when there's practically nothing on the ground? Uh, in all seriousness, uh, safety was just such a concern for me. And, you know, after getting out and getting here, like, it probably would have been fine for most everybody. But there's just that little bit of unknown, uh, just unknown road conditions in certain areas for people who are traveling a little outside of town, uh, just unknowns of what other drivers are doing on the road. And, for me, I do tend to lean on the cautious side, even if it's a little inconvenient or different. And so that's what uh, the church board and I did this morning. Um, and so I'm glad that you're here tuning in online. And here's the good news. Uh, every moment, whether we're worshiping together in a sanctuary or uh, some of us are in a sanctuary and some of us are home or we're all at home, uh, the good news is, and the, the reminder for us this morning, is there is not a single moment that cannot be used to glorify God, to listen to God, and to praise God. And so that's what we're doing this morning. We can still listen to God, we can be present before God, and we can come together to worship God this morning. And so I want to invite you um, to join me in a time of prayer, right where you are, just Join me in this moment of prayer, of opening up your heart to God, of offering your full self before God and his presence this morning. And we want to say, God, we thank you for being a God who is with us, even in the midst of the unknowns, as we have anxiety over whether to keep in-person services going or to do online service. God, in the midst of, of the anxiety of making those choices and decisions uh, with everyone's safety in mind, we thank you for being a God who, who can help us and who can give us peace even if we wonder if we make the right decision. And even considering all of that, whether it's the right thing or or the wrong thing, God, we thank you that you are a God who is present with us no matter where we are. We can worship you and praise you right where we are. It's beautiful to come together as the body, and, and we, of course, support that idea that we should come together as the body of Christ, but we are reminded in moments like these that you meet us where we are, that you are present with us here, you are present with us in our own homes, and God, we thank you that even in these unique situations, it can be sometimes a helpful opportunity to be maybe more aware of what you're doing and, and how you are speaking. Sometimes these situations help us to be more attentive because it's different. Sometimes, God, we can notice something in these moments that perhaps we don't otherwise notice. And so I just trust in your sovereignty and I trust in your goodness. And I pray that you would meet each person where they are this morning. God, I pray that we would be attentive to what your Holy Spirit has to say to us. God, this morning we may not 
come together and worship in song, but we take a moment to remember your goodness and reflect on your holiness and your sovereignty. God, we take this moment to to worship you for being a good God who sees us, who knows us, and who loves us. God, we take a moment to offer praises and adorations. Whatever has happened this week, whether it's been a good week for some, a rough week for others, God, we take a moment and we pause and we notice how you have been present with us in the midst of our circumstances, good or bad. God, we we take a moment, we pause, and we acknowledge what made us feel closer to you this week, what helped us to be aware of your presence. And God, we thank you for being with us, no matter where we are or what we are facing. God, we thank you for loving us. God, we thank you that that your word reminds us that we are your good and beautiful creation and that you have placed within us the image of you and you have invited us to participate in the good thing you are doing here in this place. And God, you help us. You help us to be a light in this dark and broken world. And we fail you, and we mess up, and we miss opportunities. And yet, God, you are gracious, and you are loving, and you are kind, and you are forgiving. And you help us to continue to look more like you each day. God, we thank you for never giving up on us. God, I pray for the many people in our congregation who are dealing with sickness and complicated health issues. There's a lot of that going on, and and God, I pray for moments of rest for those individuals. God, I pray for healing. God, I pray that it would be your strength and your peace that sustains those who are sick and who are weary. God, I pray for those who are discouraged because of different things that have taken place since this new year began. For some, it just feels like one stressful situation after another. I pray that you would be with those this morning, that that they would feel your closeness, your presence, that they would be comforted by your peace. And God, may this be an opportunity to remember that, that this life is filled with hardship, with troubles. We're never promised an easy, problem-free road But God, you are always with us. And we can take comfort in knowing that whatever we face, we don't face that alone. God, I pray that that you would help us to, to see you in a different way as we sometimes go through so many difficult things.
God, I pray for those who are just feeling weary this morning. This morning I was reflecting on Jesus' words in Matthew 11. And I want to take this opportunity to invite all of us, God, to receive Jesus' words when he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. May we take this moment to pause and to name the things that are causing us to feel burdened and weary. And at the same time, may we take this moment to simply rest in your presence. May we open ourselves up to that rest which you promise us. May we release those things which we don't have control over. May we name the things that we don't have control over, that that we might like to see something different happen. And may we trust these things to your care. Because God, you are good. You are good and you are faithful and you never let us down. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. May we fully receive that this morning, right where we are, right in the midst of whatever it is we're dealing with. May we rest in that truth this morning. May we receive these words in a new and fresh way. We can take a deep breath knowing, God, that we are in your capable hands and we can give ourselves grace and we can extend grace to those around us as we acknowledge that sometimes we are just doing the very best we can and it still doesn't feel like quite enough. And that's where, Jesus, we lean into your promise, your words that invites us to rest in what only you can do. And God, we thank you that we are able to do that this morning in the midst of just the busyness and the craziness of of our world and our lives. May we rest in you. May we receive more of your grace, your humility, more of your peace. And may we extend that to everyone around us. All for your glory. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus this morning. Amen. Amen. 
Well, this uh, is the first week of a new sermon series, uh, so I was very anxious to uh, be able to preach regardless of the circumstances this morning uh, because I'm excited for this new series. Um, I do want to say that that uh, this is a series we did do last January on spiritual disciplines, and I kind of said that I'd like to make that a regular thing. I would like to be able to uh, talk about spiritual disciplines from time to time. Time, and so you may remember that from last January. Uh, here's what I want to acknowledge, that uh, I kind of toyed around with the idea of calling this series something different, because I feel like as soon as we read that word or hear that word discipline, we immediately feel turned off, and we're immediately like, no, I don't want to talk about disciplines, because I feel like discipline is hard for a lot of us. I will totally confess that discipline is hard for me, uh, and, and spiritual discipline is no exception. I think it's really difficult to incorporate disciplines in our lives in the midst of the crazy and the busy, and, and it's easy to just lean on the things that give us comfort and make us feel comfortable, even if those things aren't good for us. But what I want to challenge us to do is to be open to these disciplines, which I'm going to share with you guys over the next several weeks. And my prayer is that we would approach this series with an openness to what God might have in store for us. I think that with spiritual disciplines, it's really easy to approach this, this idea of spiritual disciplines with a what's-in-it-for-me attitude. Like, what can I gain from this? How do I know that this is going to be beneficial? And, and I'm going to give up my time. Like, how do I know that this is actually going to work? And what I want to, to do is to challenge us here a little bit. And I'm going to confess that, that sometimes I go from one extreme to the other, and I can be extremely gracious where I'm like, this is not to induce shame. This is not to pile a bunch of extra responsibilities on you. Receive this uh, with a light heart and don't feel burdened and shamed into doing all these things. But then I can also go to the other extreme and, and get a little more honest, and maybe with a mostly empty sanctuary, that's a, even a little easier to do this morning, where I can say like, we get out of relationships what we put into them, right? Think about that. And, and not to equate our relationship with God with our relationship with others, but, but it is all connected. And I think we can agree that our relationship with God is the most important. But you can think about it in terms of your relationships with other people. You get out of, of those relationships what you put into them. And you can easily just check out and just let things happen as they may without putting any kind of effort or intentionality, and you get that out of them a lot of times. And so I do want to kind of challenge us a little bit and say that while we may not enjoy hearing a lot about discipline and how we need more discipline in our lives, and maybe some of these disciplines will not fully resonate with us, and that's fine. You can take them or leave them. But I do want to challenge us to not be resistant to these things because they're disciplines and because that's hard and that's uncomfortable and it's really hard to orient my life around disciplines. I want to challenge us and say that, that disciplines help us to know God better. Disciplines, spiritual disciplines help us to grow closer to God. Spiritual disciplines help us to create room to listen to God and to hear from God. 
Again, I'm gonna lean on this side a little bit. It's really frustrating as a pastor to hear from people over and over again. I just don't hear from God. I don't know when God is talking to me. I don't know what God is saying to me. And then at the same time, you can see that in some cases, there's not a lot of room that is created to actually hear from God and to listen to God. And so it's kind of like, oh, well, I can tell you maybe one reason why that's happening Each situation is unique and different, obviously, but I do think that there is this frustration sometimes as Christians that God just seems so distant and God seems so far away. And I just don't know what God is saying or when God is speaking to me. And yet I do wanna challenge us to consider how much room are we creating in our lives and our schedules to really be open to God, to even listen to him, to know what he might be saying. And that's what I kind of want to challenge us with. Now, I said this last week, and it's worth repeating that, again, this doesn't feel like a super flashy sermon series, right? Spiritual discipline, spiritual practices, it feels a little bit like a yawn. It could be a little bit of a yawn for some people, but I do want to share with you that I have incorporated some of these into my life over the past year, and they have been really helpful and really have, and I'm not just saying this, it's not a cheesy commercial, but it really has helped me to connect with God in a different way, and it's been so fulfilling for me. And so I do want to share that with you, that that you may have to really you know, lean into this a little bit. It's not gonna sound super great and flashy and appealing right away because disciplines, I mean, it's just pretty implied. It's not always super exciting. But I do wanna challenge us because what if it brings us closer to God? What if we're willing to try some of these things and we experience um, a closeness with God that we haven't felt in a long time and for some maybe ever? Can't we say that it's worth the effort, it's worth the try, and we might discover something about us and how we connect with God in the process? So I just wanna invite you to be open. Don't be resistant. Be open to how God might be challenging you to create more room in your life for him so that you can be more open to him and more open to others. That's something that I do wanna share with these disciplines. There's gonna be disciplines that help us to be more open and present before God, but there's also gonna be disciplines that we'll talk about that help us to be more open and present before others because often those two things should be and are connected. And so before we get into today's discipline, let me just tell you what this series is not meant to do. Right? This is really important because it can easily feel the opposite. This series is not meant to overwhelm you with a list of things that you should be doing. Please hear me when I say that. It's worth repeating. This series is not meant to overwhelm you with a list of things that you should be doing. Do not take from this series that I need to be doing all of these things and I'm not sure how I'm gonna make that work, but, but I gotta figure it out. There's no, I'm not giving you more boxes to check. I hate checking boxes. <laughs> so these aren't boxes to check just for the sake of doing them. But this is instead something that can maybe help you to lean into a practice or a discipline that brings you closer to God. And and so maybe you might find it helpful. That's the goal here. So take what you want, leave what what may not work for you and, and where you are in life, but at least be willing to be open to trying some of these things. So today's discipline, we're gonna jump right into it here. Today's discipline, this might be 
one that you've never heard of or aren't familiar with. And so hear me out before you make any uh, judgments right off the bat, all right? But today we're talking about the spiritual discipline of a rule of life, a rule of life. Uh, here's, let me just go ahead and share with you some of some really uh, smart and, and talented and educated people who are, are particularly uh, knowledgeable in terms of spiritual disciplines and practices. Here, here is how some of them define a rule of life, and I find it to be really helpful. So Andy Crouch would define a rule of life as a set of practices to guard our habits and guide our lives. I love that one, to guard our habits and to guide our lives. John Mark Comer is somebody who I also leaned on pretty heavily for this series. I'm having trouble with my clicker, so I may lean on you guys back there. It's kind of slow this morning. Uh, John Mark Comer says this. He says, a set of practices or a rule of life is a set of practices and relational rhythms that create space for us to be with Jesus and to do what he did. And finally, I lean on her quite a bit. Adele Albert Calhoun says, a rule of life helps us live toward what we most want. Developing a rule of life is a way of being intentional about the personal rhythms and guidelines that shape our days. Each rule or rhythm is a way we partner with God for the transformation only he can bring. I really appreciate how she describes it because I feel like she names something that we may not really think about or maybe something we can't name ourselves. Like, just imagine this with me. You can go days and days without being intentional with your relationship with God. And before you know it, you look back and you're like, I haven't made any time to connect with God over the past few weeks. And that wasn't even intentional. I just let life happen and I wasn't intentional about what I gave my time and attention to. And now all these weeks have gone by and I have not made space to connect with God. A rule of life confronts that. It confronts this idea that we may just be allowing things around us to influence us, to guide what we do, what we don't do, what we spend our time uh, taking in. And a rule of life confronts what are we valuing and what are we saying is most important in our lives. Here's what I want you to know about a rule of life, regardless of, of how you feel about it in this moment. Everyone already has one of these. Everyone already has a rule of life. You may not know it. You may not be aware of it. You may not know what it is or what it's doing, how it's possibly hindering growth or helping growth, but everyone has a rule of life. It's kind of like the same idea that, that you hear this often, that everyone is being discipled by someone or something. You already have a rule of life. The question is, do you know what it is and do you know what it's doing? What kind of rules are shaping you or forming you? Another thing that I want us to consider with the rule of life is that most systems and structures in our society do not want you to have one of these. It's very, uh, it, a rule of life is not compatible with things like mass consumerism, right? It's very anti-marketing because everyone everywhere is always trying to sell us something, right? You open up your phone. Someone's trying to sell you something. It may be a product. It may be an idea. It may be a lifestyle. Like everywhere we go, someone is trying to market us with something, to sell us something. And a rule of life 
fights against that. And so almost everything in our society, I would argue, uh, does not want us to have one of these because then they can sell us anything. They can, they can make anything seem appealing if we don't have an intentionality with how we approach different things in our life. And the final thing that I just want to tell us about or that I want us to keep in mind with the rule of life is that this is not a new concept this is an ancient concept. This is, uh, this is not something new and something trendy, but it's an ancient concept that goes all the way back to, back to St. Benedict of Nursia. And St. Benedict had what he called the rule, the rule that, that guided him and other monks that were in his monastery. And this was a very long rule. I mean, I opened up the document this week and it would take hours to go through this rule. He had a rule for every area of life. His rule was extremely, uh, it was quite extensive. And in the, the goal of this rule for, for St. Benedict was to keep him and other monks within this monastery, monastery deeply rooted in God. Like every part of their day was accounted for. There wasn't anything in their day that they did that wasn't mapped out saying, this is going to bring me away from being deeply rooted in God, and this is going to help me to be more deeply rooted in God. And the good news is... <laughs> we're not going to necessarily model our rule all the way from St. Benedict using every last little uh, way that he modeled his rule, but this idea of having an intentionality with how you go about your days and your weeks and your months, this was something that, that was used by Benedict, and so it's not a new concept. Uh, I do want to help us to understand what a rule of life is not. A rule of life is not, keep, notice how the language is being used here, it's not rules of life, okay? It's not rules, plural, of life. It's a rule or rhythm of life. You can use those interchangeably. If, that, if rhythm makes you feel better, you can use that instead. It's not rules of life, and it's also not laws of life. Think about the language there and what laws and rules imply. A law is, is to keep you away from something, to keep you from doing something. There's guilt and there's shame and there's consequences. But a rule is more like, in this context, it's a rhythm. It's not something you have to do. It's not something that you should feel obligated to do. It's something that you should feel encouraged to do. It helps you to turn the ideas you have for your spiritual growth into reality. Like if you envision your life looking a certain way, and if you want your spiritual life to look a certain way, a rule of life helps you to move towards that. A rule of life, rather than being rules or laws or regulations, helps us to live in alignment with deeply rooted desires to know God better. And finally, what I find to be refreshing about a rule of life is that if, if done well, and if done in the way that it was designed, a rule of life helps us to experience true peace and shalom in our lives, no matter what. Every day, every week, every month, every year, if we are experiencing this deep abiding peace in Christ, then that's going to translate in every area of our lives. Because it's like this. We're very busy people. We're very busy people. We live in a very busy, fast-paced society and world. And it's all too easy to 
want to be closer to God and to wish we had more time and room to be closer to God. And it's all too easy to talk about how if we didn't have this, this, and this to do, then maybe we could nurture a more uh, close relationship with God. And a rule of life confronts all of these things. A rule of life confronts our busyness. It confronts, confronts these deep desires that we have to know God better and to see where Jesus is at work in our lives all through intentionality. So this morning, I want us to look at Psalm 16. And before we jump into the Psalm, uh, I appreciate how one scholar kind of attached his own title to the Psalm and he calls it life in the path of life. Like here is how to discover true life in the path of life. And so I wanna read Psalm 16 all the way through uh, just 11 verses. The author says, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, and apart from you I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I don't know what you notice in that passage, but one of the things that I really quickly noticed was this language of closeness between the author and God. There was this implied intimacy between this author and his God. And one of the things that I really like about this Psalm is that it it has questions that can be both asked and answered. Like we could gain from this Psalm a list of questions about life And this psalm also provides the answers to those questions. So for instance, questions like, what is good? Like what's really good in life? With whom do you spend your time and do they point you to Jesus? Where is your trust really placed? Like when it's all said and done, where does your trust truly lie? The psalm can ask hard questions like, are you content? As, as the Apostle Paul might say, in all circumstances, are you content whether you have a lot or whether your lot is little? Are you content? Are you at peace? Whether you get to come uh, to church and worship with an entire congregation or whether your worship is limited to being at home with the people in your house or if it's just you, like, are you content? Can you find peace and fulfillment in that moment? The psalm might ask the question, what is the good life exactly? 
we, we want the good life, we talk about the good life, we chase the good life, and this psalm opens up this question, what even is the good life? Is God sufficient even if we only have a little? I love how, again, I noticed, or I pointed out a few minutes ago that, that one scholar calls this psalm, life in the path of life. And it reminds me of Jesus' words in John 10, when Jesus says that I have come that they may find life and find it to the full. Like full, abundant life is what Jesus wants for us. And this psalm, I think, points us towards that full and abundant life. This psalm also reminded me of John 15, when Jesus says those words that sometimes it can cause us to ask a lot of questions, like what does this look like exactly? But in John 15, Jesus says those words that are so, uh, that seem so powerful and weighty for us when he says, remain in me as I also remain in you. He says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine and neither can you produce fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. And I find Jesus' words to be so weighty and, and cause me to, to almost feel this anxiety as I'm like, am I really remaining in Christ? How do I know? Am I missing it somehow? Am I fully remaining in Christ? Am I abiding in Christ the way that he wants me to, the way that he's desired me to? And what I love about the concept of a rule of life is that a rule of life can help us to intentionally abide or remain in Christ when it can be so easy to abide or remain in anything else. And this psalm alone, I'm gonna kind of walk you through it really quickly, but this psalm alone can actually help someone to begin to imagine or craft together a rule of life. Let me show you what I mean. So take, the, take this idea that, that you might have to say, I want to set my heart on God, right? Say that that's a deep desire that you have. I want to fully set my heart on God. At verse two, he says, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord, apart from you, I have no good thing. So if we have a desire to set our heart on God, which is kind of vague, right? Like that's a great desire. It's great that we want that, but what does that look like in the day, every day uh, of our lives? What does that look like practically? And practically, it can look like whatever takes away from setting my heart on God, I'm going to remove that from my life. And I can't spell that out for you. Like, you're going to have to do the work to identify what that is. And vice versa. What are the things in my life that draw me closer to God? That's what I'm going to prioritize. When I find myself feeling furthest from God, doing a certain thing, I'm going to stop doing that thing. For me, full confession here, there's just a few of you, don't tell anyone, scrolling endlessly on social media. That can be really fun. And when I just don't really wanna think about anything, I just wanna be entertained for a few moments, that's, that can be really fun, but it can also suck the life out of me. I suddenly find myself abiding in all the things that the world tells me I need to abide in and buying all the things that the world tells me I need to buy in order to be really happy and fulfilled. And I am no longer abiding first and foremost in Christ. Some of you aren't gonna like to hear this, but cable news is what you are abiding in. If you're spending more time listening to talk radio or, or 
political pundits on cable news channels, it's time to evaluate, is that actually bringing you closer to Christ or is it causing you to feel further from him? Is it keeping your eyes fixed on, on what's going on in the world according to this person who makes a lot of money when you listen to them to give you their opinion? Or is it actually pointing you to the truth of God and how God is calling you to live and operate in the world? Not saying these things are bad, they can be, but it's, it's what are we taking in and what's fueling us and what is it that we are giving our time and attention to even if it's completely uh, damaging spiritually. And so that's kind of example number one. Going through the rest of the psalm, or proceeding, going on. This thing is causing me. All right, I'm gonna, can I give that to you? I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you drive. All right, this, so imagine that another idea or want or desire that you have in your spiritual life is, I want to journey more with friends. I want to delight in and surround myself with the body of Christ. I want to be more connected to other people, right? Imagine that that's this, maybe that's a desire that you have. Verse three says, I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. And so it's this, this desire, this idea that we want to intentionally surround ourselves with people, not just people, but people who point us to Jesus, people who help us to walk closely with Jesus, people who help us to see where Jesus is, what Jesus is doing, people with whom we can share uh, the, the difficulties that we are facing and how we can be pointed to Jesus in the midst. And so that should be a part of our rule of life. We should be intentional about the people that we uh, surround ourselves with. And for some of us, it's just being intentional in general. Like your first step is to just be intentional. And so what this can look like practically is in your rule of life, you say, I'm going to reach out to, this is just a, 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 a off the wall example, three of my friends each week and I'm gonna check on them and I'm going to share my heart with them. Because for some of us, we just sit and wait for other people to come to us. And then we become offended and we become disgruntled because no one seems to ever check in on me. No one ever asks me how I'm doing. And, and so I'm, I'm frustrated and complaining because I don't have fruitful relationships with godly people in my life. Well, this, this part of a rule of life confronts that and says, you be the one to reach out. Reach out to whoever, however many people is realistic for you in a certain period of time and share your heart with them and ask them to share theirs with you. And this can look like so many different things, whether it's just a text or a phone call or meeting up with somebody Moving on, he says, or imagine that another part of your life that you want to be more intentional with is confessing sins. This is something I think Christians, we, we don't allow a lot of room and, and attention to this because I think for the most part, we just assume that we're fine and we're checking all the boxes and we're doing all the things that, that's expected of us. And so surely we don't have huge sin issues in our lives. I can tell you the sin issues that other people have. I can point those out really quickly. But when it comes to my own sins, well, I just don't know. That's a little harder to gauge. And so verse four says, those who choose another God multiply their sorrows. And I think daily we can see and in some cases confess where we have 
chosen other gods, where we have looked at anything and, and everything other than our God. And so the practical idea here is that for your rule of life, you can say, I'm going to take time each night before bed to open myself to God and to confess whatever needs to be confessed or, or these times during the week, whatever that is, whatever that looks like for you. To be open before God and to allow the Holy Spirit to point out any sin that might be hiding in my life that maybe I'm just not seeing or not aware of. Another part of a rule of life that, that is difficult and maybe can, if we're not thinking about it, it can just get away from us is I, I want to be more intentional about giving thanks to God. You know, people are always talking about gratitude journals and how it helps them to just feel better about life and, and, and their life thinking about what they're thankful for, rather than thinking about all that they don't have. It's focusing on the blessings that you have right in front of you that you can experience every day. That works here spiritually too. As you intentionally take time to give thanks to God, verse five and six says, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. He holds my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage, depending on which version you're reading. I kind of flopped back and forth between NIV and NRSV there. And so what this looks like practically could be, I'm going to make space each day to tell God what I'm thankful for, because we should be doing that. It helps us not only to acknowledge the good things that we have in our lives, but it, it directs our worship and our praise to the one who deserves it the most. It directs our attention, our worship, and our praise back to God, who is the giver of all the good things that we have. Another thing that should be a part of your role of life, I'm going to make time to worship and praise God. I'm going to create space to listen to God, to pay attention to what God is doing, and to be teachable. That means entering into some space in your life where it's, I don't know everything. I'm not going to assume I know everything, but I'm going to come in completely open to what God wants to teach me. I'm going to unlearn everything and be open to whatever it is that God wants to teach me, even if it means I need to relearn something. It doesn't do any of us any, of, any good to walk around assuming that because we've been Christians our whole lives, that we know everything about everything and that, that we don't need to think about anything any differently than we do now, but to be open to what God wants to teach us. Verse seven says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me even at night, my heart instructs me. And so what this looks like practically is an example, I'm gonna dedicate every morning or every evening, or you could get really crazy and do both, right? You could get really crazy and decide to do morning and night. I'm gonna start my day and end my day for the glory of God. I'm gonna sit in his presence. I'm gonna turn everything else off. I'm gonna listen to him and I'm gonna be open to what he wants to teach me. But this one's kind of twofold because it's also being willing to be committed to a faith community. I'm gonna show up in worship. And for all of you who aren't here today, I have questions. I'm just kidding. <laughs> this was an ironic week to talk about this one. I'm gonna show up to worship. Well, pastor, you told me not to come. So you're right. Uh, this week you get a pass. 
but this is really committing yourself to showing up and worshiping with a body, with a community, even when that's difficult, even when you're offended, even when somebody looked at you a funny way and now you think that you don't need to talk to them anymore, even if someone said something that you didn't like, even if somebody just ignored you as you walked by and smiled at them, it's, it's choosing to show up and commit yourself to community because we learn things that way too. Right? We learn things from showing up, being open, listening to others, and being willing to be open to what they might teach us. Even that crazy mid-30 millennial pastor who just doesn't know anything, and yet she tries to get me to think about things in a different way. And in the same way, I am fully aware that I need that from you. There is so much that I don't know. There is so much that I don't understand. I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of of things that just don't make sense and I want to learn from you. I want to hear from you. You make me better. You help me to see Jesus in ways that I didn't even know were possible. We need to open ourselves up to God intentionally and open up ourselves to others intentionally and it's so easy to go through life without ever actually doing that if we aren't thinking about it. And then finally, there's so much more that you could incorporate from this song, but I tried to condense it. I'm not doing a very good job. There's something about there just being a few of my people in here that I'm just like, we can just talk about this for a long time, right? Like, it's just a few of us. We can talk about this for a long time. Meanwhile, I'm losing everybody on the other side of the screen. The last one, maybe I want to be more intentional to create space to have more fun and to take life less seriously, to take myself less seriously and just enjoy and delight in the Lord. Friends, do you know that that is so very crucial and necessary? We need to schedule more time because for a lot of us, uh, especially, I don't know, I don't even wanna attach this to just any stage of life. I think a lot of us just need this reminder that it's okay to plan a time in your life, in your week, to just like take yourself less seriously and have fun and delight in the, the pleasures and the joy of God. Take a Sabbath, completely release yourself from any work or responsibilities and just rest and delight in the Lord. Verse nine says, therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure. We can rest secure knowing that that we can enjoy the gifts of life that God has given to us, even if that means we release responsibilities and work and obligations, and we are taking time to acknowledge that we can't do it all and that it's only God who can fill us up. And so what this looks like practically is putting into your rule of life, I'm going to dedicate this time of every week to do something I enjoy. This can be part of your Sabbath. I hope this Psalm helps you to kind of see what a rule of life can look like. It's identifying the things that are important and the things that point you to God. And it's intentionally uh, creating space and, and giving these things the attention that they deserve if this is what truly matters, if this is what's really important as you walk with Jesus. And so if, if this sounds like something that you're interested in trying, if this sounds like something that you're willing to give a try, here's some things that, that you can think about as you begin to create or to craft a rule of life. 
It's helpful for you to be uh, specific and clear, right? Like part of your rule of life shouldn't say, I wanna be more relaxed, right? Because that's pretty vague. There's not really intentionality behind that. It's a desire, but it's not anything that's gonna get you there. I wanna be more relaxed is not really what we're going for, but something that's more clear and, and more defined. Like when is your Sabbath? What is your 24-hour period of Sabbath rest? Because it's not just Sunday morning from you know, 9.30 to 12, right? There should be an entire day at least of Sabbath rest. So what is that? How are you gonna protect that? How are you gonna make sure that you have that in your life, in your rhythm every single week? Another thing about a rule of life is that this is about subtraction, not addition. The idea of a rule of life is to do less. I tried to get it to work again, but it's not. The idea of a rule of life is to do less and do the most important things with the most intention. You're not just adding things to a list. You're not just adding things so that you can check off more boxes. It's identifying what is hindering you on your journey and to get rid of it and to prioritize what helps you feel closer to God and make more time, make more room for those things. A third thing that I want you to remember is to consider your season of life and stage of discipleship. This means that a rule of life is going to look completely different for a person who is 65 and retired than it's going to look like for a 23-year-old mom of a newborn or of a toddler. Right? These two rules of life are going to look completely different because you're considering your stage of life, what's reasonable and what's just not reasonable for you. So it's not going to look the same for everyone. It also depends on where you're at in your journey with the Lord, and it's going to grow and change over time. Another thing that it's important to consider is your personality. Now, this is something that we don't talk a lot about, but you know, it's important for us to acknowledge that Introverts and extroverts connect with God in very different ways, and that's okay. It doesn't have to look a certain way. And so if you're an introvert, your practices are going to look a lot different. You shouldn't feel like I have to be closest to God when I'm in a room full of, of other people, of other people who are people who are on this journey with me. Like that may be great and it's life-giving, but you might need to create more room and more space in your rule of life for things that bring you the closest to God. And that is likely something that's gonna be one-on-one, -on -one, just you and God. And extroverts, it's the same. It's identifying what helps you and feel closer to God, what draws you more to God. Prioritize that and it's gonna look different for everyone. A fifth thing to keep in mind is a healthy balance between upstream and downstream practices. And what that means is upstream practices are those that are easy for you, those that come naturally to you, those spiritual disciplines that you really enjoy and that are life-giving. The downstream ones are the ones that are hard for you, the ones that you just feel like this isn't working, this is hard, I have to work really hard at this. A rule of life should, should incorporate a healthy balance of both of these things. And number six, the final one, is to make sure your rule or rhythm of life is holistic. Consider everything there is in your life, where you're at, and, and make sure that your rule of life is a healthy balance and reflects all of these things. 
And I want you to remember, we're almost done, but I want you to remember uh, that as you go on, a rule of life will change over time. It's not always going to look the same. And the goal is more time with Jesus and living a life that is closely aligned with him. That is the goal here. Remember, it's important to prioritize rest in Christ. This is shutting out all the crazy and busyness of the world to prioritize rest in Christ, abiding in Christ. That's the most important thing that we're trying to accomplish. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. And a rule of life is something that you, this is kind of an important one, and it's one that will probably be the hardest. It's something that you commit to doing or not doing regardless of your emotions. Like, you don't do a rule of life based on how you feel. Like, well, this week I'm feeling a little frazzled, and so I'm just really not going to pay it. It's just not going to work this week. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm not emotionally stable this week, so I just can't do it. <laughs> a, a rule of life is something you're committing, and you're only committing. It's between you and God. Like, you don't have to present this to anyone. It doesn't have to be. You can if you want accountability, but this is between you and God, and, and no one's grading you or judging you, but... This only works if it's, if it's something that you commit to doing regardless of where you're at emotionally and what kind of day or week you've had. If anything, this is just going to keep you more rooted in Christ regardless of the negative things going on in your life. All right, I want to end with this from Adele Alberg Calhoun. She says, because I think rules, the language of rules is hard for a lot of people. Right? And, and we're identifying kind of where we're at right now in the church is we're identifying that there was a period of time where legalism ruled everything and, and it wasn't always healthy, right? And so sometimes we swing the opposite way and then it's like, anything goes, do whatever makes you feel good, do whatever you want, it's fine. There's freedom in the Lord. And yes, that's true, there is freedom in God. There is, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But there's a healthy balance here because if we're not intentional, if we're not paying attention, we can just let, let our days and weeks go on without really being rooted in Christ. We just call ourselves Christians because we go to church and we tithe. And so, right? So Adele Albert Calhoun, she kind of challenges this. She says, rules keep our lives from devolving into unintended chaos. They aren't a burdensome list of do's and don'ts enumerating everything you might do in a day. Life-giving rules are a brief and realistic scaffold of disciplines that support your heart's desire to grow in loving God and loving others. A rule of life honors your limits and your God-given longings. It mitigates against grandiosity and must be written for who you are and who you aren't. It addresses your world your sphere of influence, your fears of loss of productivity, and your relationships. It takes into account where you need to stretch and change as well as where you are tired and need balance. And I think that's really helpful for us as we consider, like, what's in this for me? This sounds really hokey, Pastor Nicole. I don't even understand how this could be helpful. I, you know, I don't even really understand how to do this. What's in it for me? Why, why should I even bother with trying to do this? I think what we're challenged with here is to really evaluate where you're at on your journey with the Lord. 
Do you find yourself feeling mostly fulfilled and satisfied? Like, yeah, I, I allow a lot of room in my life to be close to God and, and I see him at work in my life. I hear him. I'm communicating with him. Like it's, it's really good and healthy. But then I would imagine that there are some of us who say, you know, I just, I don't see where God is at work in my life. I don't make a lot of room or time to listen to God's voice, but I make a lot of time to listen to the voices that I want to listen to. I make a lot of time to do the things that I want to do, but at the end of the day, they're not giving me life. That's what we're confronting here. And so before we go into a time of prayer, I just want to say, for those who might be interested, maybe no one is interested in this, and that's fine. It can be a wash. But for those who might be interested, I do want to point you to a few resources. Actually, I'm just going to highlight one resource. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Sorry. Can you go back? To, to one resource, uh, you can Google this, and I'm sure you can find a number of resources. I kind of scoped out and evaluated a few. And so the best one for like an, a, a lay person, there's resources for pastors and those who are in leadership, and I'm happy to share those. Uh, those are by a man called Pete Scazzaro, and he has some really great resources for pastors and leaders who need more healthy balance in their life, because it's really easy to preach about these things and totally not have that in your life like guilty. And so he makes great resources, but this one is by John Mark Comer, and he uh, gives resources for just the average Christian, any Christian who just wants to be closer to Jesus. And so if you scan this QR code or if you click on the link, uh, I can link that later on our Facebook feed, um, then that this kind of walks you through like how to put together a rule of life and like how to identify what you want on your rule of life and what maybe doesn't belong. And so that's just a practical resource for you if you're interested in checking it out. But as we close this morning and as we just spend a few moments uh, responding to maybe what the Lord is challenging us with, I just want to say that if we aren't being intentionally formed by Jesus himself, right? this is a well-known idea, then we are being formed and shaped by something or someone else. And I think it's really important for us to acknowledge, to be honest with how much space we are giving to God in our days and our weeks and our months. And it's really easy to go a long period of time without even considering any of these things. And so I want to invite us now to pray and to be open and to respond. God, I really think that the beauty here in this series, in this um, particular practice of a rule or a rhythm of life, the beauty here is that you are inviting us to resist the busyness, the overcommitted commitment the lack of rest that we often have in our lives. You're inviting us to confront the the consumerism that we are, are tempted by every day, the things that are being marketed to us, the things that other people are trying to sell us. We are bombarded with all of these things that we need to make our life better. And what 
so easily gets lost in that is room and practices that actually root us deeply in you and bring us closer to you, help, helps us to see where you're at work in our lives and where you're calling us to participate. God, I love that you have gifted men and women over the years, for thousands, for hundreds of years, you have gifted men and women with, with words, with ideas, with tangible practices that can help us to be deeply rooted in you, that can help us to, to be pointed back to you when it's so easy to become distracted and, and focus on the other voices, the outside influences. It's so easy to be unintentional with how we spend our days and our time. God, I thank you that you've gifted men and women who can put things like this together that can actually be helpful for us. And whether or not Psalm 16 was ever about a rule of life or a rhythm of life, we see in this psalm beauty and contentment in being found in you and in you alone. We're reminded that we are at rest, that, that we are at peace with our lives when we are at peace with you. We're reminded that it's important to prioritize time with you, to glorify you, to worship to you, and to listen to you, and to surround ourselves with community with relationships that help us to grow and that point us back to you. And so God, I pray that for each person that might be contemplating their walk and their journey and whether or not this is something that would be helpful for them. God, at the very least, I pray that it's just one more reminder that it's so easy to be overcome by distractions in the world and you're inviting us to be more intentional and to spend more time with you so that we can abide in you and remain in you. And when we look at our lives, we'll see fruit. We'll see that, that we can point to the things that you are doing. We will feel fulfilled. And we'll see where you're at work and we can participate. God, for those who might be entertaining this idea, this, the, might find this practice helpful, will you give in imagination, help us to see what that looks like every day, every week? Would you identify what's missing in our current practices, what we need more of and what we need less of? God, I pray that as we leave this time, as we go back into the rhythm of our daily lives, I pray that we would be more challenged and encouraged to notice you more throughout our day, to be open to your presence, to your invitations, and that we would 
truly experience growth, new life, that we would get rid of that which chokes us, but that we would prioritize what gives us life. And God, we know that you will help us. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to leave you all with this benediction. May you go in the grace and peace of our Lord who is with you, who wants to reveal more of himself to you. May you be open and and attentive to the ways that he is challenging you and encouraging you to create more room for him. May you go in his peace and his grace, you are dismissed. Have a wonderful day.